Over the last week here in North Texas, our high temperatures have been in the lower 90s, which has been a nice break from what we call insane heat. Well, that's changing. We're heading right back to the triple-digit oven that we are unfortunately getting to know so well. And in today's show, our guest Jason Elmore is going to turn up the heat as well. He's going to play two songs, and we'll take us deep into his love for music and his band, Jason Elmore and Hoodoo Witch. We'll dig into their strong skill set in the rock blues genre. He's heading out in a few days for a tour through the Midwest. Besides touring, he has a DVD in the works and has plans to record two albums next year, one solo and one with Hoodoo Witch. Muddy has handed his microphone over to Jason, so let's all sit down and explore the world of Jason's music. Amy, can you kick us off? This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? Hey, I'm here with Jason Elmore of the band Jason Elmore and Who Do Which. I've been in the audience several times to enjoy the shows. Jason has it all. Guitar licks out the kazoo, solid songwriting, singing, and super performer. Jason and his band are clear figureheads for blues and multiple genres of music, which we'll get into during the interview here in North Texas. They have received the Dallas Observer Best Blues Act twice in the last seven years, 2012 and 2017. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the one and only Jason Elmore. How are you, Jason? <laughs> As Tom Waits says, I'm, be- I'm better than nothing at all. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I like that. Hey, uh, I got to open up. Where the heck did you get the name Hoodoo Witch? Well, um... For one thing, I've always been into like Halloween and spooky things. There was there's the witch part. I always thought that would make a cool uh, band, you know, part of a band name. So it was coming up with something that went with witch. And then uh, I found out about an Austin performer named Webb Wilder, who I'm sure everyone's familiar with. Yeah. And uh, he has a, a had a song in the early '90s called Hoodoo Witch. And uh, very good. So it was at the same time I was starting the band that I found that album and was already wanting to put Witch somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, the, the, work, the, the hoodoo thing kind of goes along with the blues imagery and folklore. So it was a, it was a natural thing to, to steal outright. And I got the chance to talk to Webb Wilder ah. on the phone uh, when I was recording. He didn't my... ask for, uh, he didn't give you copyright problems or anything? <laughs> no, no. I, I was, ta- I was uh, in the studio at Audio Dallas, and, and he, he had recorded there. So my, the engineer had him, you know, called him on the phone and was like, hey, you want to talk to this guy? I was like, who is it? He's like, Webb Wilder. It's like, oh, God damn, no. I said he was very nice, and I t- he was very flattered that I had named the band after Good. him. He was like, what? That is the coolest thing ever. And That's great. Um, so that's where that comes from. It, I've, I've had uh, places go, well, I don't know. That name sounds kind of, I don't know if that's really what we're, the vibe we're trying to promote here at our venue, but it's. Oh, you know, bad it's, mojo. It's not, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not sacrificing goats it's just a name there's no actual witch none of us practice witchcraft uh, good that's good it's to just know. A, you know, it's just a fun name and, and it's hard to pick a band name doggone oh yeah everyone has been taken i think in uh, hindsight i wish i would have done it different you'd be surprised what, how people spell it a lot of times they'll put the the, the in front of hoodoo yeah. or uh, or just get it completely messed up like the first month of the band you know i, I came from the texoma area which is denison um, sure. Denison up there at the, right on the Oklahoma border. Close to Oklahoma as you can get. Um, don't hold that against me, though. 
So we're playing at this bar in Colbert, Oklahoma. It's a biker bar. And we show up. The marquee says, Jason Elmore in his witch's hats. That's not, okay, <laughs> not really close. <laughs> That's the best one. Yeah, um, I think we got some problems here. Yeah, yeah. So for some reason, it's uh, the, the name is cursed. So. It's all right. It's, I like it. It's a good name. I like it, too. Hey, um, you know, we talked earlier when I introduced you, we talked about the blues, but as you and I were talking before the interview started, you're way beyond the blues. And so can you give us a musical profile of the music your band plays? I like to say that I give people the blues. <laughs> Uh, every, but like, blues is good. Blues right? is good. And, and, the, and the blues community has been super good to me. All the opportunities that I've had because of people in the blues world. I don't forget that. And it's still very much a part of my, my musical foundation. And I try to stray away from the, from the blues, from any genre. You know, nobody wants to be pigeonholed. But, but people have to categorize it as something, right? right? They always so, like to, yeah. Uh, you know, so it gets, it, I often get pigeonholed as being a blues guy. Which the real blues guys, you know, I've, I've, I want to apologize to them because it, this is not my doing. It's their fault. <laughs> I, I, yeah. think I, I think guys like, you know, Mike Morgan, uh, Smoking Joe Kubek, you know, when he was around, Benoit King, yeah. Texas Slim, right. guys like that. Those To me, those are the real blues, blues guys. Yeah. I'm more of a, I'm more into Van Halen uh, lately, but, but I don't forget my Freddie King records, you know, I don't forget where I came from. I love and, Freddie. And me too. He's my favorite of the Kings. I, I, I like a little bit of, of all types of good music, particularly, you know, music from the from the 40s through the 80s of, of all genres. Yeah. So, so when you were a kid, where did you kind of start in your musical journey? Started um, just, you know, I guess at the time when I was, you know, first becoming a, an adolescent, I remember bands like Metallica. Stevie Ray Vaughan was on the scene. That was sure. real important at the time. Um, Metallica, the grunge movement was happening. I never cared for too much of that, but I, I was a huge Soundgarden fan. My dad would have custody of me on the weekends. He lived in Dallas, so he would take me to like Greenville Bar and Grill, Poor David's Pub, and uh, the Hole in the Wall, things like that, to see the blues guys around here, like Bugs ah. Henderson, oh, yeah. Jim Suler and Monkey Beat, Mike Morgan and The Crawl. Smoking Joe Kubek, uh, those are the ones that immediately come to mind because they had the you know the, the very biggest impact on me as a kid. That's when I realized like when I grow up, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm gonna be when I grow up. I want to do that because those guys were all so cool and still are to me. Yeah, I had Mike. I guess it was about seven years ago. I tried to have you play at the Five Eight concert. There, right. Robert Johnson recording, etc. And you couldn't do it. You had a booking. I think you were doing an album release. I think. I think so. Yeah. But, uh, Mike Morgan came and he played, and that was a real treat. That oh, was Mike's, a real treat. Mike's so cool. He's the he's the best. Then you start playing guitar, right? Yep. I'd always kind of tinkered around with one, listening to Elvis records and and uh, imitating them in the in the mirror, you know, with my little shitty guitar. Sure. And then. Uh, Somehow my parents got me a just a real cheap acoustic like nylon string guitar for Christmas one year, and I and I kind of took to it and, and you know learned smoke on the water just the, the lick on one string not the not the whole song and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, Roy Orbison's Pretty Woman that dun 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 yep, I remember yep. learning those pretty well. And uh, my stepdad and uncle who were musicians were like, "Wow, you learned that in like five minutes." You learned it by ear. Uh, they'd showed it, show me how to play it. Okay, and like okay. you know, and here's how to make a G chord. Right, here's a C. Show me another one. Well, practice those. Okay, oh, okay, I got them. Like I was really into it, and it was the first thing that I'd found in my life that I was any good at. 
because I was always socially, socially awkward a bit and uh, didn't do well with my grades in school particularly. I was never built for sports of any kind. So that was something that I found that, hey, I, I can do this. And people think it's cool, so they think I'm cool. Yeah, so you got good support from your family, yeah. which is great. And uh, three months after listening to me plunk around on that thing, play Pretty Woman and Smoke on the Water, they were like, you know, if, you want, if you're serious about this, we'll put you in some lessons. Probably because we're tired of hearing the same two songs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I got into lessons, and the teacher immediately was like, well, first of all, you got to get him a real guitar because this one is not – you can't learn on this. This sucks. You know, it's a yep. – the action was high enough where you could throw a cat through it. So Roy Rogers, Sears, Roebuck. No, yeah. Not quite yeah, that. Pretty not limited that to the first three frets on that. Ooh, uh, ouch, ouch, <laughs> ouch, ouch. And, and that was incredibly painful. But so, so they got me a, uh, like a Fender Squire. Uh, Good. Like a $100 electric black and white Squire bullet, I remember. I just kind of took off from that. I took lessons for about a year. I continued to, to, to just pressure my dad hardcore every weekend, like take, you know, Who's playing this weekend? That's uh, good. Nobody, but uh, you know, Pantera is playing at the Cotton Bowl. It's going to take me there, and uh, so and he'd do it. Yeah, and he exposed me to a lot of heavy metal stuff. You know, Pantera, a lot of stuff like that at the time, uh, which I'm not as much into these days. But some of it still shows in some of my music. I still uh, appreciate it. Yeah, but you were open. You were ex- you were yeah. ex- taking a broad brush. Yeah, I had an uh, an empty cup at that time as a kid, just you know, having never. Never heard anything other than what was on the radio at the time. These kids now, these kids today, are, don't realize how spoiled they are because you can you can hear anything. Like nothing's exciting anymore because you can literally find out about any sound of music in the world, which is a good thing. But at the same time, there was a certain special thing when we were growing up. If you remember, just right. just to have the album, just to have the record, right. and that's all you knew about. I'm holding Rory Gallagher live record right now. Of Doug's, by the way. Even that takes me back, just you know, to when all you knew about Rory Gallagher was what it says on this record, this picture right. of him, and in and and, and the, and the, and the songs on the back. And it was always a bonus if they added like comments on, yeah, the back, or some gave you a little lyrics profile, or anything like or a that. Profile, yeah, yeah that was right. always cool. But if they didn't, it was like you know, you you had the headphones and you just used your imagination. The music was special. I thought Creedence Clearwater Revival were black guys my whole life until the internet. <laughs> I was so embarrassed when I found, I was like, what, these guys are pretty good. Like, what? What? No. no. My mind was fucking blown. Um, but, you know, my point is that, you know, anybody can find, you can get online now and find out everything about Rory Gallagher's life and every picture of him, every bad thing. Yeah. Uh, every good thing. Every good, yep. And I, to me, the music was a bit more special during that innocent time when, when all you had was the Yeah, you want the some records. you want some mystery. Yeah, you want some yeah. Mystery. To me that's kind of yeah. made it cool. Because then you can explore in your own mind a little yeah, bit. Yeah, when Black Sabbath came out that first album, it had like an upside down cross in it, and everybody lost their mind and thought, Oh, these are devil worshippers and they're you know, this is gonna be songs about mutilating cats and whatnot. And not, of course they were not devil worshippers and none of them the songs were about wizards and uh, uh, yeah, just, just f- cool things like that. Right. Smoke, Prague, grass, and stuff like that. You know, you grew up with this open palette of looking at different music: country, R and B, soul, blues, rock. Do you see a common thread through the through the these different musical genres? I guess it would be. And for, let me clarify: I didn't grow up liking country at all. It was the it was the bane of my existence. My mom would listen to 
um, Garth Brooks and Dwight Yoakam and George Strait all the time in the car, and it just drove me nuts. I wanted to listen to Alice Cooper. You know, after I got grown and had some life experiences, <laughs> then I understood, like, okay, I see what these songs are about now. Kind of got to where I could, I understood, okay, I get it. It's it's the blues told in a different way. Told in a different told, way. Painted yeah. with different colors. Right. You know? But then I really went through a phase where I was huge and still am a huge, huge Buck Owens and the Buckaroos fan. Uh, Don Rich was just a wonderful guitar player. And, Buck uh, Owens wasn't too bad himself. Buck Owens was really good himself. Yeah. And uh, I just really love, they, they, they would do it all in three minutes. A, a good song with melody, harmony, lyrics, a little short bit of guitar. Right. Uh, clucking and plucking. And they dressed super cool. So <laughs> I got into Dwight Yoakam and Buck Owens real hard and the Mavericks and some bands with a, kind of a country flavor. Uh, later, much later in life, about you know eight years ago, as a matter of fact, I kind of got I go through phases, so I got through that sure. phase. But now it is you know a, a big part of of my musical vocabulary, and a lot of this stuff I do with the guitar, a lot of the bends and uh, voicings and stuff I I kind of pick up from country. Country. To answer your question, I think the common thread that runs through all this stuff is is the blues. I would guess if I just had to give a quick answer to, to me, there's. There's really two types of music. There's classical and blues, you know, right. and other styles of music evolved from either classical or blues, which, you know, or jazz. Um, right, right. Just turned into country and, and rock and even heavy metal, you know, as we came to know it. And all that stuff is heavy metal is not fair because Van Halen introduced the classical element of music into that. That was it. kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, that blues is the, is the, the common thread that, that runs through all those genres of music, all being, you know, pretty much Western, Western bass music. Well, sitting over in the corner is guitar in a case, and it looks like it's, it would like to play a song. Are you cool with playing a song for us? That's the mule. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, not sure what I'll play this early. I've only on my second cup of coffee. <laughs> I know we we got you up early. We got you. We got him here at eleven o'clock, folks. There, some some musicians don't know that there's two elevens. You know, <laughs> there's only one eleven. Sometimes I sh- I should have just stayed up. What are you gonna play first for us? I think here? I'll play a tune from my first album that we cut in 2010. And I'd like to to add a, a side note that my friend Jim Suler, who was a guest on your show, yep, a few weeks 17th back, seventeenth episode, I believe. He he produced my first album and played on it. He's a good friend and a huge mentor to me and inspiration and all that mess there's your shout out jim <laughs> I want my money all right let's... Uh, anyway it's called six foot down it's from that album so it's, it's a it's a real fast rockabilly rocking a, a slide uh, number on the album but i'm gonna do my my best approximation of a guitar bass drum and vocals all in one fell swoop you got it all right let me let you set up and then we'll take off wish me luck you got it When I met you, baby, sweet and kind But time wears it out and I'll change my mind I won't be back around I'd be better off six feet in the ground Baby, just as sure as the day is long Don't believe I'm leaving, count the days I'm gone I won't be back around I'd be better off six feet in the ground well, now my mama told me, daddy told me to Son, these low-down women will be the death of you
starts early. Eleven in the morning, your voice and your fingers did very well on that six six foot down. Well, you ought to hear me by about three in the morning after I've had some drinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got it. Hey, can you talk a little bit about life on the road? I, I went to your calendar up on your webpage, and during a five-day stretch this month, you will perform in Pomeroy, Iowa, Kansas City, Fremont, Nebraska, Middleton, Wisconsin, and Springfield, Illinois. A gig a night. And back in May, I, I saw on your calendar that you were all over Canada. But please take us, the listeners, through the challenge of being on the road. The main challenge is my booking agent just uh, he puts a map on, on the wall, I think, and then backs up 50 feet and just throws darts at it. Oh, that's wherever, a good tactic. Wherever the darts land is where he routes it. So some of the, But at least it's r- a map of the United States, right? It's <laughs> not a map of the world. We get into Canada sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh and a lot of the things I book myself just to help with routing, so that it makes some some kind of sense. Right. Uh, but I really enjoy traveling. Um, yeah, we're leaving in a couple of weeks, going up to my first gigs in Shadron, uh, Nebraska, and then we're playing a festival in Helena, Montana, where my band is flying up to meet me there. Are they? And then we we play the the following week, uh, heading to another festival in Springfield, Illinois. So I'm doing the, the Pomeroy, Iowa, and Kansas City, and the Nebraska, and Wisconsin dates. Uh, those are going to be solo acoustic oh, performances, weeknight okay. things. Okay. Because a, a lot of venues, you know, on a Tuesday night, they don't have much call for a, for right. a full band or, or much budget for one. Right. That's how I'm doing it this time. I'm going to do those dates by myself, and then the band will fly up and meet me to do the festivals. Well, the big benefit for you is great timing for you to go... Do your northern tour. Yeah. Being 105 to 109 degrees around here Ooh. probably during that time frame. Bring that cool weather back with me, you watch. I, I would love you for to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I go up to Canada that. about every six months and uh, tour through through the northwest and uh, and, uh, and and parts of Canada. Uh, so so that's all that's really fun. And and life on the road is fun. It's 
it's uh, the older I get. I'm 40 now, so I have to approach it different than than in the past. I you know can't party as hard, right? Uh, especially when you're driving to a different you know if you got an eight hour drive the next day, it it just sucks to be hung over and, uh, <laughs> on the road. You know I've learned that that's Absolutely. that's no fun at all, and you know my performances suffer and things like that. So and you can hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah, and got to be a professional. So. So for me, uh, lately, life on the road is is totally not as rock and roll as one would <laughs> one would picture, or what it has been in my past. Uh, the typical day for me is getting up and having a, a coffee, eating something you know really clean. I, I try to eat super clean on the road, like salads and uh, you know mostly a plant based diet. Huh. I eat a lot of bacon and tacos when I'm home and whatnot. But right. Traveling, I find my body is is healthier and able to. Just just feel better and um, when go I, the when veggie I eat, route. When I eat very clean and I exercise. I'm really into fitness uh, all the time too. So I I try to you know sweat off sweat out the toxins that I put back into my body eventually. <laughs> Good for you. But uh, life that's what I do on the road. I drink a lot of coffee. I try to exercise. I try to walk at least every day. I try to rest my voice a lot because if you're singing every night, you know the voice is like any other muscle. It can. You know, if you do push-ups every single day, eventually you're going to get an injury because you're overworking that muscle. Right. And uh, the voice is the same way. If you're not careful, you can over overwork it. And uh, and then if you know, if I if I can't sing, then I I can't work. So I it's a minor to, detail. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. alcohol just it, you just just makes things exponentially worse because it dehydrates you. You know. So I found that that's the that's typical on the road for me. Hopefully, usually I'll go through the 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 states where where cannabis is legalized. I always enjoy that a lot. Uh, so I enjoy having coffee. Willie Nelson calls it hillbilly heroin, having oh, coffee he? and reefer together. Because you know, he can't drink anymore. He's a thousand years old. But, uh, close, close. But he does, his guitar is a thousand and one years right, old. Right, Trigger. He does enjoy his coffee and his, uh, his reefer. And, yes, and so do I. Yes, so, he even has his own brand or two, I believe. I've bought some of it. It's good. Um, <laughs> So that's generally on the road, what it's like, and then you know, hopefully show up in town early enough to to, to lie down in a hotel for a couple of hours to do the show. I really enjoy playing out of town. You know, those people have not seen you before, right? So you can you can do stuff that may be a little tiresome and, and worn out back home. If people come see you every weekend, you know, you have to change it up. But when you're on the road, yeah. it's like oh, these people haven't seen me, you know, at, at best since last year, last time I was through. So so it's always fun to. Relax that, a little bit. You can relax a little bit and, and, and count on stuff that's more, you know, muscle more ingrained in your muscle memory. Yeah. And the flip side of that coin is if you experiment and, and fall on your face, you don't have to see them again. Right. <laughs> so, and plus, they may not even know that you did that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, we are many times our worst critics, right? Oh, I'm the, I'm, I'm the worst. Yeah. All right. Hey, a couple years ago, you released the album Champagne Velvet. Jason Elmore and the Voodoo Witch released it in 2016, did very well. The reviews were fantastic. It hit number 13 on the Billboard Blues Channel and held the number one position on the Texas music charts for six straight weeks. What was the effect of this album's release for Hoodoo Witch? Well, my goal, to be honest with you, was to, because the last two albums that I've done, and what I do is kind of a mix of of styles, you know. I get pigeonholed again as being a blues artist, but, uh, you know, we don't do any Jimmy Reed type stuff. And my albums are usually there's some usually some pretty hard rock numbers on there. Absolutely, uh, and a, in your show too. Yeah, and I'm I, that's a part of who I am. With this third album, I was trying my best to to put out something that didn't have any 
distorted guitars. I wanted to, to show people that I could do some more blues and soul-oriented stuff and, and make it cool. I'm really into swing and jump blues. Right. Um, and so, so that album really showcased that and uh, some you know jazzier um, side of, of all of them, three of our playing, my bandmates and I. But unfortunately, it, it just didn't. It got an honorable, honorable mention as a blues rock album, BMA is the Blues Music Awards, which was nice. Good. Good. You know, honorable mention is better than a punch in the face. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I, you know, I'd hoped that it did better. The best thing that came from that is that I learned that that's not how I'm going to operate. I tried to to fit myself into a mold that, of what I thought would please people. Right. And it didn't work like I'd imagine, and that's nobody's fault. But I realize now that I get the best satisfaction from just writing and releasing the music that I want to listen to. If I were a consumer, and that might be very hard rock, or it might be you know a Chet Atkins style number, I, I get the greatest enjoyment and feel like I do myself the best service to represent myself. If if I don't try to to fit into a, a certain category or deliver a certain restricted type of project in right. the future, not in Champagne Velvet is my favorite album that I released. I'll say that I did learn that lesson about you can't please everybody, <laughs> so you got to please yourself, like like I, the Ricky Nelson song goes. Yeah. I really appreciate your honesty. I didn't expect that that question to take this this route. Oh, sorry, it took too long. No, no, you did great. But uh, I appreciate your honesty on that. Now, at the same time, I mean, you did fine yeah. from a chart perspective. I appreciate your self evaluation and your honesty. Yeah, on that. it was That's really and cool. And it debuted at number thirteen on the blues charts, on Billboard blues charts. Right. So that was Big really time. cool. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm you know. I'm not pouty that I didn't become the next Joe Bonamassa because of that record, but uh, I don't know what I expected to tell you the truth. I guess it really started hitting home when people who have been fans of me since the beginning went, oh, have you changed directions? We like the rock stuff. And I'm like, Jesus oh, Christ. Like, oh, okay. I got <laughs> so you. in a way, I alienated some of my fan base by doing that. They, they went, oh, I guess he's... He's going this other route now. He's not do, not doing any more rock, huh? Interesting. But, which is not the case because I'm fixing to unleash the, the fury. Yeah, I heard. So so <laughs> it's so it's two years later. Two years later. So what what all you got cooking right now? Well, we in December of 2017 we re, we recorded a live concert at, at the Sanctuary in McKinney. It's a really beautiful room. Lended itself well to a video and audio and. Um, it, it was a really good time, and it came out well. So I'm wrapping up that. That's in post-production. We should be having a DVD release party for that on December 7th, which is you know almost one year to the day of, of when we recorded it. And that'll be wow. at the Sanctuary, too. Where, that'll be you know, at the Sanctuary, too. Okay, up in, McKin- be, up in McKinney. Yep. I'll be promoting that on my website and my Instagram and all that stuff as the time nears. Um, okay. Right now, I'm still in post-production, and you know, I don't have the physical product yet. I'm racing to get it done so that it'll be there by the 7th. Your website is? www.jasonelmore.net. All right. Yep. And uh, I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Facebook's, uh, Facebook as well, but uh, really I just I post to Instagram and then let that post to Facebook. All right, but that's, you're not stopping there. You've got other, no, other projects cooking, right? No, that's the most immediate and pressing because my, it's, I'm already you know, thousands of dollars into this, <laughs> into this endeavor. I've got to finish it. And I've got to prove to people that we really did, you know, we really are putting out a, a DVD. Because so I've got people going, hey, what's up? It's been, I expected it the next week. They don't understand that it so takes much a lot of production goes into it and editing and things like that. Right. So, yeah. So I'm going to hit them with that. As soon as that's done, I'm going to do an album of all acoustic material, you know, just me and an acoustic guitar. 
I'm really looking forward to that. I do a lot of acoustic shows, you know, in addition to, to playing with the band, I, I do a lot of solo acoustic stuff kind of in the vein of, and I'm, I'm going to name some names that I'm not nowhere near as good as, but that I aspire to, uh, like uh, Chet Atkins, Tommy Emanuel, Monty Montgomery, guys like that. Yeah. That's, I'm trying to do that sort of thing with the acoustic guitar. Some, some gu- guitar athletics is what I call it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm still learning, though, and still trying to. That's the problem with not sticking with one thing is you're a jack of all trades, a master of none. I'm, yeah, but the exploration is so good. There's so much good music out there. I feel like you do yourself a disservice if you just limit yourself to one thing because yeah. there's a lot of really cool shit out there. Yeah, and your fingers want to learn more. And, yeah. you want, you, and all of a sudden you do something a little different and you go, wow, that sounds really nice. Yeah, and it's like, it, to me, it, it just reveals another piece of the puzzle. Like to me, the guitar is a puzzle. It's not laid out the same as a piano, where you can see all the the keys in order. This is A, B, C, C sharp. You know, the guitar is a little bit of a, a puzzle because of the way it's tuned and the way it's the way it's built. So it's right. Um, it's it's a mystery to me still. I've been at it for <laughs> for about thirty years, and I'm I'm still I learn something new every day, or at least I try to. And then I think you're going to be doing something with the band, right? Yes, my band Hoodoo Witch. We play around. Dallas, Fort Worth, Metroplex every weekend if we're not traveling. Again, people can go to jasonelmore.net and find a performance calendar. We usually stay booked you know, five or six months out. So you can pick a show. You can sign up for an, a mailing list where we'll email you when we're in whatever area you specify. So you won't get emails when we're in Kansas City if you live in Philadelphia. So, and with the band, we do a lot of stuff. We do a lot more rock, rock more rock and roll uh, based stuff these days than in the past. Right, right now, it's right now I'm in in the ACDC Van Halen uh, type phase. We don't we don't do any of that. We don't do any of those songs, but that's what I've been absorbing to and absorbing and listening to a lot in the last year. Which will seep into your fingers from yeah. Time to time I hope so. Yeah, it's magical. Um, so a lot of the music that I've been writing with the band has been hard rock numbers. I'm realizing that now in in, in 2018 and and beyond, you know, people. Don't buy CDs. They don't buy physical product like like they have in the past. Right. You know, right. most most people. Hopefully, they don't steal your music online, download it illegally. Most people do. There's nothing you can do about that. Right. But uh, most people prefer to like go to iTunes or whatever and download the music. At the same time, vinyl is the projections for vinyl are unbelievable. That's over true. The next few years because people want their hands on it. You know, like we yeah. talked about earlier, it's fun to. I like to smell the. The, the sleeve of the record and, and touch yeah. it and look at I'd like to take in every word and every whoever engineered it and, and all that all that shit it's uh you know because that's how we grew up you know damn right um, but I, I I I think I'm gonna try the route of releasing singles over the next year uh, we've got about um, four or five of these hard rock numbers ready to go um, but rather than wait until I can write ten more like it and then release an album. We're gonna release them one at a time as singles, over you know, over the course of a year, probably you know, every every two months or every three months, release a, a new single and really promote that, and sell digital download cards at the merch table. Good. And, uh, people can always go to uh, JasonElmore.net and download my uh, my stuff. Uh, it'll be on there. I get a hundred percent of the profit when you when you get it from my website, as opposed to get going to iTunes or Amazon where I do get paid. But it, it goes through some other hands first before it gets to me. Yeah, I would lay so, out the percentages way down on yep, that. Yeah, yep. uh, So that's the best way. And people can just keep up with it by going to jasonelmore.net. And when those singles are out, that's the first place they'll come up. 
And of course, I'll be on Instagram promoting it and, and just wearing people out with it in general. We've talked about the DVD, uh, your songs, and both from a solo perspective and a band perspective you're producing over the next year or so. That leads me to ask about songwriting. Um, do you tend to play out your experiences when you're writing music and lyrics, or do you look outside your personal world? It's a good question. What I do is keep a – I do it on my phone now. I used to carry around a paper and you know pen, and just anytime I heard some – some words that sounded cool that went together or a phrase that somebody would utter. I grew up on a farm in Denison, so I was a lot of old timers. My grandpa always turning old cool phrases and, uh, yeah, you know, just yeah. old country phrases. And I, yep. and I just write down that every time I hear somebody say something. I have this huge database of, of just words, phrases, potential song titles, lines that I might come in with, you know, just, just ideas. I'll have a piece of music in mind, you know, because I practice a lot during the day. I, I, I practice guitar every day, so I come up with a lot of ideas, and then eventually those turn into songs, and I kind of get an idea of where I want to go with it, and then I, I often resort to that database to find ideas in there for the, for the you know, to do vocally, and a lot of times it ends up being, you know, most of the stuff is, is not autobiographical. Um, some is. Uh, some of it is from, the, from experiences that I see other people go through. So hopefully your wife hasn't hit you over the head no. and said, hey, you're not supposed to sing about me like that. No, I have to tell her sometimes, listen, this song's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it might be something that I see on TV or a movie I watch or, or you know, somebody else's life that I'm, that I'm close to and I see something that they're going through. Or mistakes that right. I've learned in my past, sometimes where I've fucked up and I've been the bad guy change it around to song songs are as tom Waits says songs are just interesting things to do with the air so <laughs> so it's it's true and i i just uh, try to draw inspiration from just life experiences in general my biggest songwriting influence ever my, my favorite songwriter ever is roger miller interesting and, and also uh, uh louis jordan those are my two favorites because okay. they're very clever cats a lot of double entendre a lot okay. of uh a lot of stuff that you can hear for the fortieth time and go, oh, oh, I see what you're doing there, you, you smarty pants, you. That's good. So I, I like clever stuff, and I try to spin to write and edit and and spin it so that it probably doesn't make any sense to anybody else listening, but to me, a lot of times I pat myself on the back and go, ah, oh, that's that's clever as hell. No, that's <laughs> I love that when I listen to a song, you know, mul- multiple times over a long time frame, but I come come back to it, and there's always something new about it. That you discover, oh, wait a minute, I didn't catch that before. Yeah. 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 Roger Miller was the king of that stuff. Like, for instance, he had this song had a song called The Last Word in Lonesome Is Me. Okay. And think about how lonesome is spelled. M-E is the, the last word Correct. in the word lonesome. Correct. I, I mean, it, I was I spent my whole life listening to that song until it hit me one day that, that, that <laughs> it had a double entendre meaning. The last word in lonesome is me, being I'm the loneliest bitch alive. The last word, literally, in the word lonesome is M-E. Blew my mind. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that's, so, I, so I aspire to that. Songwriting is the, the, the weakest uh, skill set that I have, I feel like. I, I can I can play the guitar pretty decent because I've, I've been doing it for so long. I've been working on my vocals a lot and trying to sing okay. Uh, but songwriting to me is the is the most elusive. I write a lot of songs and end up ditching them or throwing them away or sure just saving do. them until you know, years later I revisit and go, oh, this wasn't so bad. Or this part, right? Or, Let me tweak you know. this, right? Bring it to new life. 
that's the part that I have to work at the most. And, you know, I'm really envious of guys like Tom Petty. You have a Tom Petty record sitting there, and it's a great example. You know, they say you could just sit down and write a song in five minutes. I think he wrote Free Fall in like in one, yeah. on one napkin right away. He uh, just had it. He just had it. And some songs come out that way. You can write them, but very few for me. Some, some write themselves, so to speak. But generally, it's a, it's a long, painstaking, self-doubting process uh, that, that draws out for months at a time until sometimes I can get the syllables edited down to where I'm saying something with the right amount of syllables, but, but still having the full effect and hopefully some double entendre and some, some depth to it. You know, One thing about the, the, the blues genre that irritates me is that a lot of guys you know, reuse it just as a platform to show off their guitar skills. They don't, forget they the don't, storytelling yeah, part. They forget that the, the song and the vocals are what most people are listening to. That's what the girls are listening to. Right. Guys like guitar solos and wheedly-deedly stuff. The ladies like a good melody. They want to be able to tap right. their toe right. and, uh, and something to hum. And if it has some intelligent lyrics, that's a plus. Well, Nothing they, wrong with woke up this morning and couldn't find my shoes. Oh, you know I've got them blues. But don't just use stuff, cat-in-the-hat type lyrics just to take up space until we can see your guitar solo that goes on for 20 minutes. To me, I'm more impressed, especially the older I get, with, with a good song. Invest even if in it's the just, whole aspect of it. Yeah, even if it's just like those 60s pop songs where three minutes, there's hardly any guitar solo in those at all. If right. anything, it's just a, you know, a, a few bars of something. But those guys would say everything they need to say in that solo with those few bars. Damn right. That's, that's the most important thing to me, I think, is having a good, a good song. And if you can put some guitar athleticism on top of that, then that's even better. Well, speaking of a good song, would you be okay with taking us out with one more song? I'll take us out, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about this song, or or, or number one, anything you want to say to our listeners before we go to the the song that takes us out? Uh, We've got got your website and everything, and you're around Dallas all the time. Hit me up on Instagram. Come see us. Uh, Throw back a shot of party liquor with us when you do. I just love to make new friends and meet people. Really like to, to, to meet you and, uh, and to become friends and to share my music with you or share a drink or whatever you want to share. And if anybody's listening that has been supporting me, I, I want to thank you guys for allowing me to do what I do because if nobody liked it, I wouldn't be able to make a living doing it. So it's really, uh, I'm really appreciative to human beings that, that have ears that, that are receptive to, to the music that I make and allow me to keep doing it. Other than that, check me out on Instagram. I post stuff daily on there. A lot of guitar clips. I aim to do some guitar instructional stuff in the future with that. If I don't have shit else to do, I'll post about my dog. He's really cool. And I do the same thing. I know. In fact, in fact, uh, Muddy's sitting over here. He's, he's nice enough. Well, I'm, I'm going to give him some popcorn so he can enjoy this last song. But, uh, he enjoyed giving you the microphone, uh, passing it to you. It's been great. He's a good boy. He is pretty good. He's been through some hard times, but he's, he's my bud. So thanks, Jason. Tell, oh, tell us a little bit about this song. I understand. I think we talked a little bit before we even started this interview. This you're going to give it a name here, but it may not be the name on the album when we finish it. When you finish it up, right? Yeah, I was talking about the uh, the singles and and the acoustic album. And I don't. We've been playing this song as as a band. It's not a hard rock song. We've been you know this goes into more of the soul and country category for us lately. I think I'll probably record this first on my acoustic album coming up. And then, uh, you know, if we release it later on down the road on a full band album, that's likely as well. It's tentatively titled Drive because Don't Let the Devil Ride is too long of a a title, I think. So uh, I'll do my damnedest at it. It's a work in progress. It's in the key of C, 
And as Doug McLeod says, it's going to sound exactly like this today. <laughs> well, this has been a real treat. Thank you for sharing with us a song that is in development. And so a year, year from now, or a year and a half from now, folks, when the album comes out, be looking for the song Drive. Well, heck, something like that. Something like that. Just That's right. any album you see that I put out, please just get it. It'll, there'll be something good on it for Damn you. Damn right. Jason, thanks so much, and let's drive. Let's do it. chips fall where they may If you play the game long enough it's surely bound to pay And all it takes is one last time so let's place those bets But the deeper you dig you know 
the darker gets Don't let the devil ride Don't let the devil ride Cause if you let him ride Pretty soon he will want to drive Cause if you let him ride Pretty soon he will want to drive Cause if you let him ride Pretty soon he will want to drive Don't let him ride Please Don't let him ride Don't let him ride, y'all Boy, that song makes me feel good. I really appreciate Jason Elmore coming over to Treetop Studios to tell his story to Muddy and I. We covered a lot of ground in the interview. In December, be on the lookout for the band's DVD. And stay tuned for his new solo and band albums that will be released next year. On the prostate cancer front, I started my radiation treatments this week. It takes about five minutes for the staff to position me properly, and then they turn on the machine and the equipment spins around my torso, zapping me with radiation for seven to eight minutes. Then I get up and go home. So far, no after effects. Really, no after effects. I feel good. Just 38 more sessions to go, though. <laughs> Who's counting? Speaking of cancer, Robert Walensky is the city columnist for the Dallas Morning News. His articles are great. He presents challenging and tough city situations, as well as fascinating characters that make up the world of Dallas. A year ago, his doctor told him he probably would not be alive to see his son go off to college. He had stage 4 kidney cancer and it had spread to his liver, lymph nodes, and beyond. His family got him in front of Dr. Vitalia Margulis, a professor of urology and a cancer surgeon. It is now a year later, and if everything plays out as projected, he will see his son go to college and beyond. Medical research and good doctors are an amazing thing. Check out Robert Walensky's full story in today's Sunday, August 5th edition of the Dallas Morning News. Muddy and my thoughts are with all of you. Until next time, take care of yourself. For ongoing updates, follow Dogger and Muddy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time, adios. I cannot feel the speak. Punches underwater. Drifting in the open sea Or is this a dream? Can I see or believe To trust is to falter And to taste to receive Or is this a dream? I won't hold